0: What's going on, people? It's your boy, Kelechi, back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? Today, I got a special one for y'all. I got a really, really special, special, special. I'm excited. I don't know if y'all can tell, but I'm (laughs) excited about what I got going on today. Y'all remember the last time that I had an interview on the pod? Well, we're doing something like that again today. Today, we got my Nigerian brother on the podcast. So that's why I'm pumped. First of all, first of all, first of all, I I, I'm going to be honest with y'all, like this is really like a special podcast for me. This is a really special podcast for me. But anyway, I'm going to let him introduce himself and then we'll get started.
1: Can, can I just say that intro just never gets old? <laughs> that was amazing, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's up, y'all? Uh, my name is Tolu. I'm a, I guess I'm a YouTuber now. I don't need to think about it. <laughs> but now nah, I, uh, I'm a, I'm an investor. I have a, a newsletter uh, about finance. It's called Tolu's Notes. Uh, and I just send out, let's just say unconventional, but like timeless wisdom. So I'm not going to be recommending any like stocks or going to be recommend. I, I basically don't tell you what to do. I just kind of in, try to influence your thinking. Let's put it that way. Um, and recently launched a podcast also um, that's going well. Kelly she was on one of the uh, episodes. Thanks for coming on. Yep. Uh, good to be here, man. Good to be here.
0: Thank you so much <laughs>
1: for coming on the
0: podcast. I uh, So backstory on how me and Tolu met, actually. I legit didn't know about him, didn't know about his newsletter, which by the way, everyone, while you're listening to this, if you're not driving, which 90% of y'all, I'm pretty sure, are not driving right now. <laughs> but for if you're not driving, pull out your phone. I'm gonna have links in the show notes in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. Go check out his newsletter. His newsletter is really good, and it's I'll say if you're ready to take a deeper level of just understanding investing and all those kind of things, go check out the podcast. It's a uh, the podcast and also his his uh, newsletter. I find a lot of good topics discussed on that newsletter so you guys should check it out but anyway backstory of how we met he just cold emailed me one day and he was like yo I have a newsletter and I'm doing a podcast do you want to come on and I saw his name and I was like this is this is good this is good I like this and I Immediately I was like, yeah, sure. I like talking, but I like talking about personal finance. I like talking about money. I like talking about investing. So why not? I'm gonna come on here. So met him and uh, we've been trying to get to know each other a little bit more. I've been listening to his stuff. And I think he is one of those people that I think everybody go follow him on Instagram, go follow him on everything. And you will learn so much. He has so much insight and the people that he has on his podcast bring so much insight as well to the podcast. But Welcome to the show, man. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you for coming on here. But uh, just to start us off, we'll start with some softball questions. And I'm going to basically ask you the same thing you asked me when I came on your podcast. Who are you
1: offline? (laughs) How do I put it? Um, Well, there's not much offline nowadays because of the uh, coronavirus Mm -hmm. pandemic. True that. Um, But usually offline um, is sadly just like online. So, so I, a lot of my offline time. So when I'm not uh, at work or anything like that, I'm usually, you know, talking about finance with people. So going yeah. on walks, grabbing coffee or whatever, and just, and we get crazy ideas all the time. And it's just, it's one of those things I like doing. Yeah. Um, I recently got into biking uh, last year. So my girlfriend and I actually did the, uh, um, the one freeway we rode it from big basin all the way to big Sur. um what else what else I used to work out doesn't look like it but I used to work out a lot um but since the <laughs> pandemic started it's been I find it so wait my cat is trying to get in I find it so <laughs> I find it so difficult to work out during the pandemic I feel so that you. When it started, I, uh, you know, I, I was trying every single day, but just being at home it's just Yeah. just, like, last year I was in the gym almost every single day because yeah. I, uh, the gym was on the way to work. So I was oh, just, so it was there. like
0: an easy, like, branch off
1: time, the best I, and I, I was just like, I was, I was on schedule every single time and it was just perfect, but that's been incredibly, uh, difficult nowadays <laughs> yeah,
0: i feel you on that like one of the the hardest switch up uh with the gym is literally so i same thing for me i had a gym at work right so during lunchtime we had a. there was a group of us that we just we kept each other accountable we'll just be like yo you're going today let's go down to the gym and we'll go to the gym right and so now i'm at home i'm by myself and it's like some days it's just kind of like, ugh, I don't, it's just
1: but yeah. the only thing that helps,
0: I mean, the only, honest truth, the thing that's helped me is uh my brother, he's a workout addict. And mm-hmm. I never, I never want him to like beat me and be stronger than me. And so <laughs> that ego kicks in and it's like, no, I'm gonna keep working out. And so like <laughs> that gets me off my lazy butt because I'm like, nah, I'm not allowed, I'm not gonna let this little kid be like some. Massive dude, and I'm over here scrawny. So I'm just like, "Mm, (laughs) we're going to keep working out. So talk myself into it. But that's good. That's good to know, man. And you were saying earlier that you got into biking.
1: What's the furthest
0: that you've uh, ridden on your bike so far?
1: That's probably just it from Big big Basin to Big Sur. How far Uh, is that? that? I don't, first of all, you on the West Coast. We over here on the East Coast. The (laughs) only reason we know these
0: names is because of Apple. Like Apple puts <laughs> it in all their updates and we're like, oh yeah, what's that Big Sur update and all this stuff. That's the only reason we know these names, so.
1: All right, so let me, let me do a Google uh, search real quick from uh, Big Basin uh, State Park to Big Sur. That's probably the longest I've written. That is uh, 88 miles. Oh
0: my God.
1: So. And it ain't flat. I'm pretty sure it's not it just like flat. Ain't, it ain't. It ain't.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Oh wow. That's impressive.
1: So we were we we were actually so this year we were supposed to ride from the bottom of Oregon all the way down to. I was in Oakland at the time. I was in the day. Yeah. Now I'm in a south uh, 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 south of like of Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, and we were supposed to ride from like Oregon to uh, Oakland. Last, this year, actually, before the virus happened. So it's honestly, so, so that was my, so that was the first year I got into biking. That was my first trip. But let me just tell you in that once you get into it, once you're out there and it's just kind of like bike packing, you strap all your stuff to uh, your bike Mm -hmm. and you're just out there and just camping every night. The first night sucks. The second night sucks because you're sore. But yeah. the third night is just pure uh, fun and enjoyment because your muscles get used to it and yeah it was honestly one of the best experiences ever because we you could you could rent out campsites or you yeah. could have these biking campsites that you can go into and it's other bikers also so on the way we met people biking from uh canada to south america wow Also, uh, also family there was a family with like four kids and the youngest one was probably eight years old and they were just killing us on the backs. The hills, everything, they were just, they were killing us. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez, that is,
0: I, I just, I like, I have one of my friends who's also just started getting into biking more often, and he's been doing it regularly. And I'm like, I don't, I, I will play soccer. I will play basketball. I will do anything else, as long as it's not just straight, like, biking, running any of that stuff like I need I need a ball to chase when I'm outside running like I I need a goal I cannot just be out here just like going from one place I just can't do it but I bet that's impressive that's impressive yeah let's get into some of the more particular stuff Uh, we'll just start with like what got you started I know um, I've heard a little bit about the backstory of how you got started with the newsletter but what got you started with wanting to write the newsletter and just write in the newsletter.
1: Definitely. And this is a little, uh, spoiler going into like, I guess the like, uh, finale episode of my podcast. Um, but I, I, I had a conversation early this year with one of my, um, friends who's, uh, he's starting his, uh, fintech company. And when I sat down with him, I realized that he had this, uh, he had this newsletter, but it was kind of like, private newsletter so mm-hmm. every single week um, he would sent out the password to his group of friends or his subscribers mm-hmm. and no one else could get access to the newsletter unless they had the password for it and you yeah. can only get the password from a friend or a friend of a friend <laughs> So he kind of created this community around it, yeah. and uh, I just thought that concept was really cool. Obviously, I wasn't going to put in as much work into that, uh, <laughs> but that just kind of got me thinking about writing again, because I used to write um, previously about computer science, technology, and machine learning. I'm a software engineer by trade, so I used to write about those things throughout college, um, but this just kind of got me thinking about writing again, and I just really enjoy writing. Uh, so that's why I just decided that you know this is pretty much a good time to just start writing. And I just made a promise to myself and I guess now that I'm making it public, I'm making a promise <laughs> to publicly not to take the blog down because that's what I always do. After a while, uh, I put out I don't know, maybe a few uh, episode uh, uh, articles and I take the blog down from let's say I go on vacation or something and I just come back to it. I don't really feel like it. Yeah. Um, but this time I made a promise to myself that I'll just keep it on. Uh, and just see where this goes
0: so hey we appreciate you deciding to keep it on because some of <laughs> us want to go back and like oh what did he say about that i want to go check that out again so we appreciate that so let's get into um some of your philosophy philosophy questions you know when we start talking about money everybody's got a different philosophy so what would you say is your philosophy when it comes to money in general not necessarily your investment philosophy we'll yeah. talk about that in a minute but just I mean, in general, money.
1: Definitely, money is a. Money is definitely a tool, right? Yeah. Um. There's. There's a lot of so, especially being enough in, love, in uh, with friends and being someone who talks about money a lot. You know, yeah. I talk about it casually, um, simply because you know it's my interest and passion. Yeah. There are a few people who may think that's all this guy cares about, right? Mm-hmm. Or That's all this guy knows our yeah person, right but i don't I don't see it that way. I talk about money like people talk about you know the cars they're interested in, for example, yeah, or the books they inter- all the video games they're interested yeah in, right um so i that's I think that's how I see money it's it's a tool, and I think you know i'm I'm an immigrant in the United States yep. uh my parents uh, moved here we we were balling in nigeria let me just let me just put that one. we were balling in nigeria right uh i i don't know if i would say middle class honestly um we were we were good but when we came over here chief
0: chief is like, basically what we'll be calling you be hey he has come to time he has come to time
1: but after moving to the united states it's all that kind of just got turned around right yep. Um, because my I dad couldn't really practice uh, medicine anymore because he had to go back to school and get his medical license mm-hmm. and he wasn't really feeling that so everything just kind of changed yeah. and but the mindset stayed right so that's one thing else that we can talk about later in that our situation changed but the mindset and what I saw us doing back home in Nigeria that didn't change for me yeah. um, so when I got over here it was just and I saw you know this country has a really interesting or this culture in this country has a really interesting relationship with money. Um, But I don't see money the same way like most people do. I just see it as, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tool to, you know, use it to get what you kind of want. And what I really want is more of my time back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I definitely agree. It's like, I say this all the time. It's like money is not everything, but money is an important thing. It's like it ain't it ain't the be all end all, but definitely something we need to get the things that we need. If that makes any sense. So yeah, sense. I definitely agree with you on that. Um, so speaking, actually, since you brought up your your you're not from the United States by birth, you know, we both moved here when we were really young. I mean, if you look in the background, I got my flag up. Uh, <laughs> so one thing I just wanted to talk about, like what was it like moving from nigeria i mean like you said balling i mean i'm gonna say this basically i feel like we were basically in the same type of position where your parents were doing well you had a lot of people in the house helping with different things and you know your parents were able to not just support you but also like help people around you yeah yeah. and so what was that like going from that position And then coming to America, America, everybody wants to come to America. Everybody. (laughs) Come to America and it goes from hero to zero real quick where it's like levels change. And so what was that experience like just going through high school and middle school and college after that and just having to like realign and re-understand a brand new system?
1: Definitely. I think, well, we were kids, right? And kids are mean and kids are tough, right? So that... I think that's something we should just start off is like kids they make you they they make you know that you're an outsider and they remind you of it every single day Um, so that that definitely that definitely happened but like on a more um from a more social I guess uh perspective um it's 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 pretty interesting because coming over here it's again like I said I kept the same mindset right I knew you know I knew what myself my brothers and mm-hmm. uh my family i knew what we were capable of right so there wasn't we didn't have that mindset uh we didn't have the, kind of like that um bridge to cross in that oh we can't do this because i've never seen anyone else in my family do this yeah yeah no none of my none of my friends families were doing it it's like no yeah. I, I i've seen us do this before like we yeah. can just replicate over here. but no definitely um grew up uh, um in uh, South Central Los Angeles, so like a really Ooh. bad uh, neighborhood. Um, so uh, you 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 probably heard of it. But um, school school was interesting in that uh, high school definitely had friends of friends of friends who kind of brought guns to school. Definitely mm-hmm. had it it was it was it was insane. It was rough. Um, but all through that, like the the North Star was always you know I. I know what i want for myself right? i know why i'm in the again i didn't come to this country to just to do those things right yeah so, um, i could go back home and just be balling <laughs> right um so no 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 <laughs> so the goals the goals are different right um so uh it, it was just all about following the north star yeah uh which was just you know creating a generational wealth yeah for you know for my family giving them a lot of time back just giving them the support they need to be able to compete. Um and I think about the future a lot. Uh and I think about supporting other people around me also.
0: Yeah. So whenever I'm
1: thinking about this money stuff, especially, it's not just it's not just me, me, me. I'm actually a frugal person. Um, not in the sense so I'm not like a fire movement person or whatever. I actually would never do that because I can't I can't limit myself by like a budget or whatever. Like yeah. sometimes if I wanna like blow money on a vacation on two cases, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even look at a budget, honestly. Um, so, uh, I, I, um, I'm, I'm a pretty fool by definition, which makes this whole finance and investing thing really, you know, easy. Uh, but at the same time, I'm hold on, hold on, before you
0: move thing. on from there, I got it. Okay. Everybody, <laughs> I, I don't know if you just caught what he just said. He just dropped some knowledge. And he said it all slick, like He said that thing so slick, and he just kind of kept it moving. But he said, being frugal has helped make this investing thing a lot easier. And at the same time, he also said that does not mean he don't take no vacations. That does not mean he doesn't enjoy his life. It just means that sometimes he focuses on the big picture. I just wanted everybody to catch that. Because as Actually, I, can, some I, gems. Can, I
1: can, I can delve deeper into that in that, you know, in high school, I was definitely, I was definitely the person buying every single uh, new pair of sneakers. <laughs> I was definitely the person. No, honestly. So it's like I've been there, but I, I was in, I was in my dorm room one day, freshman year, yeah. and I really wanted a car. And I was complaining to my roommate. I was like, I was really just complaining that. Why can't I afford a car? And he just looked at me. He was like, "You're a dumbass." <laughs> like, and what he said was, "You buy a new pair of like sneakers every single week. Has it ever occurred to you that if you stopped doing that, you'd be able to afford anything?" And, uh, <laughs> and that was like that. That was in that's my freshman year of uh of college. Yeah. So what is that? Seven, seven, eight years now. Yeah. I've probably bought three pairs of shoes since then. Ever. That's like eight years, three. Wow. So, and so that, that I think just there, there are moments in life where you you just kind of live in, and yeah. there are a lot of passive things you hear from people, but sometimes you just got to stop and be like, wait a minute, this person has like some truth to what they're saying, right? Yep. So that, ever since that moment, it clicked for me that I didn't I didn't need every single new pair of sneakers that came out. <laughs> it clicked for me that I, I didn't really need a lot of things. Yep. A, a lot of things just kind of fell into place. And I just shifted my, the things I value uh, from material things to more, let's just say, more important things. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, like I say, it says, like, you can either own depreciating assets or you can own appreciating assets. You get to choose, but you spend your money on something at the end of the day. So, that's dope. Uh, Yeah, I I definitely, I mean, this is one of the reasons that I immediately, like, for both of us, it kind of clicked in the sense of, like, we both came here. And it was like the entire system is different. But like you said, that North Star is so important. And I just want every single person out here that's listening to my voice and is trying to pursue the right things. The first, just find a North Star, whoever it is. It can be Magic Johnson. It can be Michael Jordan, LeBron James, whoever it is that you're saying, I want to aspire, not necessarily for the talent that they have, but I want to aspire to be like them. And so you learn more about the things that they did. You learn more about the ways that you can get to that point, whether it's through listening to podcasts that myself or Tolu does, or whether it's through whatever it is, like people in your life that you hear from, look for, and you can just aspire to be like them. You may not do the exact same things that they do, but you can do something similar to what they did and, or just use their life lessons in general. And then things kind of fall into place for you. So Anyway, but yeah, uh, let's talk about a little bit about your software engineering career. Um, I think I was listening to one of your podcasts and you were talking about how you just started coding and that kind of like opened a whole new world of like ones and zeros as we in the mechanical world tend to call you guys. All you guys do is some kind of magical thing in your little cube and then you do all these ones and zeros and then stuff happens. And us over here, we make parts work together. So you guys don't work with real stuff. That's what mechanical. Anyway, this is a for those who don't know what I'm doing. This is an engineering joke. He's a software engineer. I'm a mechanical engineer. We tend to make fun of each other. But anyway, talk a little bit about your software background and how you got started with all that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, let me see. So I, when I got I, I was already messing with computers back yeah. in, uh, in Nigeria but the, the internet wasn't readily accessible. Um, you had to kind of go to a cafe.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so after moving over here, and then we had like the AOL connection, you know, you plug the, you plug in the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the dialer, the <laughs> and they did the beep. Um, uh, no one could have picked up the phone unless they're going to interrupt to <laughs> <or> download, <laughs> all that stuff, right? <laughs> um, and then, so my my brother and I, we kind of got into PC gaming. Yeah. And uh, I think I said this on one of the podcasts was like, I, I got into like the community that sort of pirated those games um, illegally. I feel so like I was, everybody did that. That's not
0: like, they're yeah. they going to sue, they're going to sue the entire population. Cause everybody at yeah. one point was on their, uh, what was it called back in the day? Where you used to get music from. I'm not going to say it because then self-incriminating, <laughs> yeah. so
1: like uh but like people used to download it but i i i kind of got curious to a level where like i i could play the games at home and that's cool but like what about when i'm in school right Uh, my parents forced me to take um after school programs, and obviously i signed up for the computer course uh (laughs) so what i did was I, i when i was back home i sort of grabbed a usb stick and i figured out how to do virtual environments um, wow. and what I did was I would load up the entire game on a USB stick and again, it's, it's not just like in one folder, there are a lot of things that go to uh, different places, yeah. the registry um, there are a lot of files pointing to different places, but I basically used like a virtual machine to track where all those files went and I used uh, a script to sort of pull all those files in uh, when I'm done playing and when I plug it into a new computer push all those files back out so I can log wow. it in, play. My friends would be like online playing like some flash game or whatever. I would pull up uh, Halo Combat Involved or something <laughs> in the <laughs> middle of like <laughs> in the middle of school. And wow. uh, when I'm done, you just close it up, take the USB stick, your save files, everything you do just kind of follows you. And uh, that was that was in middle school now, and that was when I just that, that's when it made sense for me, right? Yeah. This world is—I mean, this world of uh, software engineering is just insane. And not only that, like I had fun doing that part. Yeah. But then I then I then I figured out uh, actual uh, coding, and then I automated my job of doing of like the the process of getting the game from being on your computer to a USB stick that I used to do manually. I found a way to automate it using wow. uh, using programming, and that just. <laughs> That's blew my mind, that's man. That's impressive.
0: <laughs> and you were in middle school when you were doing all this stuff? Seventh grade, to be exact. Seventh grade. Wow. that That's impressive, man. That's so impressive. I love hearing stuff like that about people just, like, finding <laughs> some kind of passion when they were young. And passion in, like, doing stuff that they enjoyed and then taking it to a whole different level. But I, I, I actually,
1: uh, if I could add to that, I was uh, having a conversation with my girlfriend today, and she was we were talking about all the people we know that have been in software engineering for a while. Um, so people who worked at, let's say they worked at PayPal and then moved on to Twilio or they worked at PayPal and then moved on to Facebook. And it's like, these people are obviously rich enough to never yeah. to work anymore. And they were saying like, it's, it's the passion. That's why we still see them at work every day. Yeah, that's uh, true. Because they really just enjoy uh, what they're doing. That's so, facts. Yeah.
0: That's facts. That's dope, man. That's so dope to hear about. Um, so now let's get into the crux of the conversation. We'll begin (laughs) with this. Investing. Yes. Tesla or Neo blue pill or red pill. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, But what's your (laughs) investing philosophy and what are some of the things that you always like to look for whenever you're looking at a company to invest in?
1: Yes. I, uh, Well, first of all, I don't look for companies to invest in. It's rare. It's really rare. Um, Sometimes I do, but it's really rare. Um, So first of all, I am, um, how do I put it? I'm somewhat of like a factor investor um, in that I'm not necessarily looking for like i know my, my last episode of the podcast i had tied on who, mm-hmm. who kind of look for innovative and destructive companies yeah um, me i honestly don't care what company i invest in so i do etfs or uh, index funds but yeah. um i those index funds are tilted to a certain factor and for those who are uh, kind of new to this factor thing is um uh certain companies uh, sort of give off different uh, properties. Yeah. So you can have small caps, uh, size is a factor. So yeah. you can have small caps, mid, uh, large cap. Uh, momentum is a factor. So companies that just like, just keep going up. So think about Zoom this year. Yeah. think about uh, Peloton this year. There's some people who figure out that if a company is going up in the short term and they buy in, it'll keep going up in the long term. Long so term, if yeah. anyone wants to buy Zoom or Peloton in March, obviously isn't complaining right now. Um, so momentum is a factor. Uh, value is also a factor. So for value stocks, I think that one is, um, that one is uh, probably the most well-known one. Anyway, you can look up uh, the former French um, factor models, but I am one of the uh, people who believe in the uh, small value factor. Uh, basically, uh, my, my, my retirement and most of my wealth is betting on the fact that small, relatively cheap companies will outperform in the long run. I'm not talking about a five year span or like a 10 year span. Uh, I'm talking about like in the long run because I'm, I'm 25 now yeah. and I, I don't need my money. Let's just put it that way. So yeah. I'd take some underperformance now for a uh, for potential chance to outperform in the future. Let's just like us let's, let's say that's my that's my that's my philosophy. That's the way I see it. That's the way you see it. Yeah, and so, I, do, I do I do options and uh, all this all those things on, on the side, so that we can get into it if
0: you want. So just to explain a couple of things to everybody real quick. Uh, starting off with uh, small cap is a company that is valued at three hundred million to two billion, and then a mid cap is a company valued from two billion to ten billion, and a large cap is ten billion and above. So think of companies like. Apple, Microsoft, those would be a large cap companies, smaller companies. I'm thinking mid cap. Twitter is a mid cap, I think. I don't know how
1: much they're worth. now. I don't even know either.
0: (laughs) I don't even know. And anyway, so, and then small cap would be much smaller companies like that. So uh, that's the general gist of what he's saying. And he's saying, he's looking towards the small, so I guess you're looking towards more of the smaller nimble companies that can do more things to, kind of either be acquired or to, to outbid the bigger guys?
1: Yeah, so if um, if you look at it, if you're... So my, some of my retirement stuff, I don't have access to um, to sort of like the small value. So I uh, yeah. have like 401k. Uh, I honestly don't think about that so much. I just put a percentage of it into SPY and I put yeah. another percentage into like international uh, exposure or something like that. But whenever 1K oh, okay
0: is the ultimate like just do an index and leave it alone.
1: Yeah, I, don't <laughs> like, I, I literally don't,
0: don't look yeah. at it.
1: Um, but so for 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 the small factor is that um, so if you think about big companies, they <laughs> it's 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 difficult for uh, huge companies to double in valuation just Extra, think about apple facts. well apple did it but that's really unusual for them to go from a trillion to like what is it 1.8 or One point eight, yeah short, in a short amount of time that's not Crazy. usual. that's not that's not common but if you think about a company going from 4 billion to 2 uh, to, i mean from 2 billion to 4 billion hard that's that's it's 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 more it's more uh it's more common than for a company going from 1 trillion to 2 trillion yeah right? Yeah, at so, the top
0: of the market, you're basically there's, exactly. so, <laughs> there's very little room for growth.
1: Yeah, but um I think I think I'm betting on the fact that smaller companies are obviously riskier. Um they're not established yet. Um so not a lot of people want to bet on them. I think nowadays people are aware of it. Um, but there there, there are a lot of things that go into the fact uh into why you know smaller companies usually in the long term should outperform bigger companies just because smaller companies can grow bigger companies i don't know who else is apple gonna sell iPhones (laughs) to? they're they're they're, they're about to like reach everyone um i mean they're all with this you know service-based cloud and all this stuff yeah uh, changing but yeah you can think about it like that
0: that's pretty cool like they say it's easier to double one dollar than it is to double a hundred dollars so um so yeah i i that's that's interesting i didn't think I would have said you are more of a growth investor. I guess, is that, since you say factor, so what's your, what's the factors, what other factors do you look for? I mean, you said small is a factor, growth is a factor, but what other factors are some of the things you look for?
1: I'd say I, so with a majority of my money, it's small value, so those are like two factors uh, joined together, I'm not just gonna pick small or just value, it's together, uh, small value uh, companies. And for those interested on Vanguard, this is a VBR, I believe. Uh, I shares, it's a IWM. Uh, those are like some tickers. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, that's like what a majority of my money goes towards. Sometimes I also do this. I'm doing this experiment also. I do experiment with my money also. That's why I say it's a tool. In that, I don't, I don't like hoard it and guard it. And yeah. Like I, can, I can't. Like. So something else I'm doing is. There's this book by uh, called The Life Cycle Investing by Ian Arias, I think. Um, And basically the concept is that when you're young, so think about when you're in your twenties to like early thirties, you should should double, you should use leverage to double your exposure to the S&P 500. Um, And this was like the first newsletter I sent out in that when you're, when you're younger, think about the number of years you have left to work as a bond, right? What is a bond? A bond is a fixed income that, you know, you get a fixed uh, interest yeah. payment. Uh, think about that as your job. So if you're working, you're making 80K a year, uh, 90K a year. Um, if you're younger, you 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 can almost trust your ability to, like, find a new job um, just given, you know, the work, the the, the the, the workspace is kind of tilted towards like younger people. People want to hire yep. younger people because you can stay at the company a lot. They ain't
0: trying to pay old people who going to charge them more. So, you know.
1: <laughs> um, so, so, if you think about it like that, I, I view, so I don't hold any fixed income whatsoever in any of my portfolios. And I, I usually, depending on certain, uh, I, obviously everyone has a special case. Yeah. But I usually don't, uh, I, there, there, there are very few uh, young individuals who need fixed income. Um, there's no need for you to be making uh, 90K a year, paying taxes on it, and then getting fixed income also on your investment portfolio, paying more paying taxes. Paying more taxes. On it, right. So it's, um, yeah, so they're basically, so I, I have like different portfolios doing different things. One of my portfolio uh, tries to target 2X the return of SPY. Um, so I use options to sort of increase my leverage. of uh, yeah. like The S P 500 to like 2X. And the idea there is that uh, you're obviously taking more risk because you have more exposure. Mm-hmm. But over time, the idea is that you can you can compound way more. Um, so if, if S&P goes up 4%, you go up 8%. Obviously, the downside is also the same. If you go yep. down 4%, you're going down uh, 8%. 8%. But like, if, if, if the market tanks 50% and you've obviously lost 100% now uh, or more, no, you've actually lost more because you're leveraged, you... You, you've you only invested a little bit. You're just starting out. You're like, you're in your 20s. You still have, what is it, 10, 15, 20 years that you're still going to work? Yeah. Um, so it's like you're going to catch up, but well, that's the idea behind it. Okay. Yeah. And this is not recommended for a lot of people because yeah. during a crash, like the coronavirus crash we just had, it takes, because the S&P was down 30%, you would have been down...
0: 30%. 60%. So, yeah. So, yeah. So this is... And this, and again, this is where, um, the, you have to, like, I always say, you have to know what you're doing and you have to know what you're buying or know what you're investing in and you know what your strategy is. I know right now there's a huge, because of how easy it is to do it with like Robinhood and everything There's a huge thing of people wanting to do options, 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 options all the time. And it's like, yo, if you don't know, like for me, I'm scared of options because I have no, like I haven't done, I haven't looked into it enough. Um, I haven't studied it enough. I'm literally, like I said, literally just now starting to pay more attention to a little bit outside the ranges of index and ETFs and trying to pick single stocks and understand companies. And if you don't understand, have that basic understanding to start off with to look at financials or look at just charts in general, it's going, I would not advise anybody to do it. So Again,
1: yeah, I really, I, I really, uh, I, I, I agree with everything uh, Kelly is saying. I've been investing for about six to seven years now. Yeah. So it's, uh, and not like just passive. I've been, I mean, I've been in, in, in the market, like yeah. paying attention to things. And uh, I'd say 90% of the books I read are finance books. So <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm literally just now getting into my finance book readings and getting more of it, more out of it. But yeah, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. I've never really heard anybody break down the factor investing um, type style of investing before. I've heard a lot more people talk about growth. People talk about, as you know, I talk about value being like a key thing for me based on the books that I just started reading. And then of course, dividend investing is the other type that a lot of people like to do just because of that income-based stock. Yeah, we can,
1: we, can, we can talk about growth versus value um, a little bit, since most of your uh, 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 listeners are probably familiar with it. Yeah. Um, and I don't, so I, I mentioned small value. I don't ignore g- growth stocks. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, my camera always acts up and it turns off. Randomly. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, don't, I don't ignore growth stocks. Uh, but for me, when I bet on growth, I'd rather do it with um, out the money options, meaning instead so let's take uh, I don't want to use Tesla because everyone knows Tesla. <laughs> like, okay, let's use let's use Tesla, right? So um also I've never bet on Tesla. I don't own Teslas. I don't plan on buying Tesla in the future. Uh, at least not at this You
0: ain't price. even gonna put like
1: five dollars in it? Just not at this price. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's real though like for real that's that's a, that's true because when you start digging <laughs> into tesla it's like what are you are you serious like this is the valuation that everybody voted on but
1: okay it's 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 anyway we can we can get into it so but, basically i think investing comes down to uh um what your what your goals are yeah so if someone is if you really do understand a company more than everyone else and you know everyone else is wrong, that's pretty difficult to do and that's almost impossible. And there's a good chance you're going to be wrong uh, nine times out of ten. There's a good chance that if you're right, you're only right uh, because of luck, right? Um, Yeah. Just because no one knows what the future holds and there's randomness in um, everything that happens. No one saw the coronavirus coming.
0: That's facts.
1: Uh, And it benefited some. It uh, it was really bad for a lot of people. There are a lot of people sure. were selling, right? So um, I I hardly look at individual companies, but there are some companies that I like. Obviously, right now all of them are all overvalued, and regardless of value, regardless of how much I like them, I'm not going to buy into them. Now, keep in mind when I say I'm not buying a company, that doesn't mean it's that company. Yeah, there's there's a difference between a. Tesla is a great company. What they're doing is beneficial for society. There are yeah. a lot of companies and uh, growth companies uh, especially that are amazing for humanity. Yeah. Right? They're doing amazing things, but your 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 goal contrary to like popular belief, it's like your goal as an investor is not to invest in great comp- companies at any price. Yeah. Correction, not at any price, because regardless of how great a company is, it, someone else has to be willing to buy it for a higher price for you to make money. But mm-hmm. if, for example, you're a value investor, if you buy great companies for less than their worth, when the stock tanks, you know how great the company is mm-hmm. one, one for, for one. And secondly, you also know that you bought a $1 company for 80 cents. Yep. So you know exactly uh, how much you should be getting back. So that's why value investing is kind of like it's easier, and it's just people say it's going out of style. I don't see how you can be buying something that's worth a dollar for eighty cent. I don't see how that can go out of style. Um, that the math just don't add up. It's just
0: like right now we have a lot of hype with a lot of people um, getting into the markets for the first time. Yeah, and I still remember the interview. Or the guy who was the owner of uh, whatever that gambling company is.
1: Um, oh, uh, DraftKings? Is yeah,
0: DraftKings. Kings. And he came out and he was like, Warren Buffett is an idiot. What does he know? Like, he sold out of the airlines. Da da, da, da. And it's like, bruh. If you, like, I don't think you understand <laughs> the genius behind, like, what people like Peter Lynch and Warren Buffett and all these guys have been doing for years. This is yeah. not like a, oh, I was bored at home for two nights and I just like did it. It's like, no, value yeah. investing. And the key thing, I think one of the things you just said is like, just because a company is good doesn't mean I need to go out and buy it. Because one of the most important things when it comes to like single stocks or just trying to buy good companies is, are you patient enough to wait? Because that's like the biggest part of it. It's like, you have to think of it as like, I'm about to buy this entire business, which is one thing that I'm learning. And so it's like my f- investment philosophy is changing a little bit. To where like, in the past, I was just like, oh yeah, I'll just buy it, it doesn't matter, it's going to, cook that. but now it's like, no, 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 no. Like, let's wait. And then if we see movement in the market, where, oh, okay, let me redo my valuation, it drops to the price that like, oh my God, this is a good price. I'm going to now see this on top of it. It's like, now I'm going to make a move. Now I'm going to invest in it. And unfortunately, I learned that late. If I had known this earlier, march beautiful time to do this march april may even the run-up the,
1: if you have been following the newsletter you wouldn't know i know right <laughs> i know man i
0: have so many regrets i have um, so many regrets
1: don't, don't, don't have regrets um yeah. so don't, i don't think you can hindsight shouldn't be a thing um, yeah uh, just like always just kind of like uh, ignore, ignore everything that happens. There's always
0: going to be more opportunities.
1: Exactly. More uh, opportunities. And I think something for newer investors, what makes you a good investor is not your percent return, right? Because anyone can get 100%, 2,000% by leveraging up, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make you a good investor. Um, what makes you a good investor is like how much the percent return based on the risk you're taking, yeah. right? So if, um, if, Let's say there, uh, there's a chance that you get wiped out, meaning you're, you lose everything. Everything. Uh, in 10% of, let's say 90% of times you make, uh, you make or you lose money, but 10% of the time you lose everything. That's not a good bet to take, right? Because <laughs> it's, you're, you're literally going to end up with nothing. So it's good yeah. to start thinking about these things. And I think it's more difficult for younger folks to uh, wrap their heads around the fact that your percent return is irrelevant. Um, The number Robin Hood says 20% gain or whatever is irrelevant. If you hold it for a decade, two decades, that that number could be negative. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's really, you're you're just giving yourself a lot of mental gymnastics um, and a lot of like mood swings uh, by monitoring those numbers. I think it's fun sometimes, but it's not healthy in the long run. Um, Unless you have like, unless you're about to spend the money. If, yep. you're not, if you're not about to pull the money out and spend it, then that number really
0: uh, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's it's great to make a video about, oh my God, I'm losing this much in the market. But apart from that, it's just kind of like, it doesn't matter because in the long run, it's just, it it's like when you look at the map, it's like you see bleeps all over the time, but at the end yeah. of the day, eventually it's gonna, it comes back up. So, but yeah, I'll, let's close out with, now let's close out a couple of things you talked about the future yeah so what are some of your goals as far as um the next i'll say the next 10 years in mm-hmm. as far as investing goes what is what is the goal of like if you looked at your portfolio and you were like this there are there i know that you have specific companies that you're looking at and you're like you should have more than doubled you should have more than doubled so what is the goal with your portfolio or what do you think your portfolio would be? You don't have to say numbers. You just have to give a range of where you think it should be at. Okay. You don't have to give a range. Just say, what are your goals? Whatever you so, want to say, you can say.
1: And In the next 10 years, I could. 2030. Have, by 2030, I could either have, let's say, 8% compound uh, annually returns compounded not bad, or negative eight percent annually <laughs> compounded. And I, I I say that because um, you really don't know, right? Sure. Uh, it's it's. I think the goal for my portfolio, the, the things you can control is how much you're putting in. It. Yeah, that's the only thing you can control. A lot yeah. People think they have control over what the returns are. Um, I don't think you do at all. Um. And I think in recent history, we've had like this insane bull market. So a lot of people have forgotten that there are years where people lose. There are years where, on average, everyone loses money, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's 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 a foreign concept to us nowadays that that uh, you know they're, they're <laughs> that is 20, possible for us. That to in twenty twenty one, right? In twenty twenty one, the returns could be negative ten percent. Or in 2022, the returns could be another negative 12% or something insane like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become a foreign concept. And whenever that is the case, um, it's, it's scary. Uh, whenever yeah. people just forget that the market doesn't always go up, things, um, things become really scary. And it, I'm not saying we're in a, a bubble or because you never know when you're in a bubble till you're out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people are gonna lose money um, because the new age, I feel uh, a lot of people are chasing, uh, you know, the hyper growth stocks. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. So it's they're paying they're paying way too much for these companies yeah. way over what they're worth, and they're hoping it's just a hope. They're hoping that these companies can deliver on their promises. Mm-hmm. And I guess Elon has been delivering, um, but I don't think every single CEO uh, in the market will continue to do that. Not even yeah. Elon may not even deliver. Uh, we don't know. That's, that's the thing. That's about the, the thing. Future, you don't know. Right. Is that we don't know. So, uh, it's better to just, uh, make these bets in a, in a manner that ensures that when we have a crazy downturn, you survive it. Right. That's, that's mm-hmm. all that matters. The, the bull markets don't matter. All that matters are the downturns. And yeah. Survive in the downturns.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I've been thinking about is I've been, I mean, I, I guess, The the because of how we've seen like that valuations just being ridiculous. One of the things that popped in my mind and I've been going back to is, which is why I say it's good to know your history, is going back to the the IP, uh, the Internet bubble or the Mm. the Internet bubble back in 1999 and 2000s. And I was just thinking back to it and I was looking at some of the companies on that list. Like, we had some companies recover, like Google and Amazon and those kind of companies. But we also had companies that we would say, oh, these are large companies. Cisco, those kind of companies did not recover. Like, they lost 90% of their valuation. And for those who invested at that point, it still has not recovered to that level. And so, like you said, it's being wise right now. Like, it's, again, I quote Warren Buffett a lot because that's like my... Oracle when it comes to investing, but you know, be fearful when others are greedy. Like that is such a people don't people thought about it during the crash and like, oh yeah, I should buy now. But right now, like I look at the market, and yes, I dollar cost average in just because consistency consistency is good when you're invested for the long term. Uh, but at the same time. I'm not over here like, okay, I'm about to do like a $20,000 investment in something (laughs) or like what even for my, okay, I'll say my level, a $1,000 automatic investment into anything. It's more spread out. It's more sporadic. It's more, let's just be deep. Let's just dollar cost our way in and feel our footing in because I don't know what might happen. I'm gonna have cash on the sidelines if something happens because it's always good to have cash on the sidelines, which is by the way, this is another thing I'm learning recently. Keep cash on the sidelines because opportunities always come up. But um, but yeah, so what you said is definitely true of just being aware of everything that's yeah. happening in the market right now.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Definitely. So, so um, I will. I, I, I was going to ask this question, but you already like popped my bubble with the fact that you said you don't list, read any books except for finance and investing books, which I was going to ask, what is your favorite non-finance book to read? But you pop that bubble. Oh,
1: can you read some? Okay. Um, so outside of, well, well, that, that, was, that was kind of a lie um, outside of finance. I love uh, behavioral, um, economics so i guess it's finance but it's not it's not necessarily like finance i think it's different i see it as it is
0: slightly different it is slightly because i think all of that stuff is really interesting like learning about how how we act to different things psychology like the human psychology is we're weird creatures like we're very weird strange creatures but anyway so what's your favorite psychology book that you've read
1: um, Behavior of Finance. Uh, so,
0: can I? Or one of the ones you've read recently that you've enjoyed? So,
1: obviously, um, uh, uh, Dan Ariely is one of the uh, biggest uh, writers in the space. So, I recommend reading uh, some things from him. So, um, some of the books I really like are um, by Dan Ariely. You got to read a. Uh, Predictably uh, irrational, rational. and mm-hmm. also the upside of irrationality, and I think those books just let, let, help you understand that people—we don't understand ourselves the way we think we do, um, and there's nothing we can do about it because it took us a lot of evolution to get here. Um, but if you know that you're not that you're not rational, you can guard against yourself. So let's mm-hmm. say it was mid-March and it was like negative negative five percent yesterday negative five percent tomorrow when you wake up and you're about to hit the sell button you can remind yourself that wait a minute um I'm, I'm really not thinking straight right now you know That's you can remind yourself to like to zoom out on the chart or something like that uh, so definitely those are those are like the books i'd recommend for uh um Ever finance but i also recommend finance books and i i, I wouldn't be doing myself like I would be sad if I didn't mention it, but <laughs> Howard Marks, Howard Marks, <laughs> you guys, I, I, I can't, I, it's weird. I can't stress it enough, but Mastering the Market Cycle by Howard Marks and uh, the, the book out, up there, the most important thing. I, I actually recently read that one, but I, I read Mastering the Market Cycle when it came out, but that book just kind of set a lot of the foundation. For how I invest, I know I didn't, I never read like the Intelligent Investor. Yeah. Never read any of like those, I guess, classics. Um, But Howard Marks and his memos, I read all his memos as soon as he publishes them. Um, Those those are just, I can't stress it enough. I don't know, I don't know what what it.
0: (laughs) He really clicks with you, huh? Like he really clicks with you.
1: Definitely. That's (laughs) good,
0: man. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Well. Oh, and I one more question. Favorite Nigerian dish? Can I cannot let you go without answering that question. Uh, uh, I
1: love there is a the right yam. answer. I love pounded yam and egusi. I can't. I can't stress it enough, man. <laughs> okay, okay, people.
0: He passed. He passed the answer. He didn't just give me the basic jollof rice. I'm like,
1: what? If you had said nah,
0: nah, jollof nah. rice, I oh would have had issues. Would have definitely had issues, but I anyway.
1: To go see, man. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so if like, I can't be
0: eating, the swallow. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's good. But bro, so ironically, so my brother uh, he he traveled for work, and yeah. in the town he was in, there was a Nigerian restaurant, and he went in there and he was he took a picture, and they have pounded yum and different kinds of soup on there. Then he took a picture of the wall, and they had like a choking, like how to make sure somebody doesn't choke, and like how to do yeah. the Heimlich maneuver and everything. <laughs> And he was like, I've never seen this in a restaurant before. And I was like, yeah, but like you're eating swallow. People go choke. So you need to protect them. But anyway, but yeah. So yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I really appreciate you coming on, coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you supporting with the t-shirt. Hey, guys. Like He went into a lot of detail, but he didn't go into that much detail. If you want more details about some of the things that he was talking about as far as when it comes to investing, when it comes to factor investing, understanding yourself, because one of the things that he focuses on is just the irrational, like what he talked about just at the very end, how we're not very rational, is one of the things that I've gotten from his podcast, which is one of the things that has helped me to start looking at my investing strategy a little bit differently and start thinking outside of the box and thinking that I'm right. And that's one of the things that you should be afraid of once you start thinking I'm right. So anyway, go check him out. I'm going to have every one of his links to his Instagram, to his uh, newsletter, to the podcast. You guys go check that out. He has really interesting just on his podcast, and I think you, and especially go read the newsletter. You get so much from the newsletter, but anyway.
1: I appreciate it, man. <laughs>
0: yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show, but anyway, that's all I got for y'all. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things. Really, you should have learned like three, four, five, six, seven. Anyway, thanks from this podcast is being your boy, Kalichi. Remember, generosity is always greater than greed. I'm gonna catch y'all up on the next one. Peace.
1: Yeah.